This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. Monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Pre-recorded from Joe's mom's basement, welcome to another Rewind episode of The Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey everyone, I'm Griffin the Intern, or like Joe's podcast friends like to call me, the Fintern. Why is it after the week seems so miserable here that it ends up going by so fast? It's time for me to say, happy Friday stackers, already. Another week down, another week closer to reaching your financial goals, as the guys say. Well, I think they must say that at some point. Usually I just hear, hey Fintern, bring over another foamy beverage. But I know what they really mean is, invest early and often and you'll be able to have someone else get you a foamy beverage. But here's what I want to know. What will we all do when the bull market actually ends? Believe it or not, I was going through the files here, and it turns out that the crew was planning on this back in 2017, and now in 2020, it still hasn't happened. I thought it would have happened by now, but I'll remind you that I'm an intern in a basement. But the episode I'm talking about features our old roundtable gang, including Paula Pant from Afford Anything, Len Penzo from LenPenzo.com, and our old roundtable surly guy himself, Greg McFarlane from Control Your Cash. They try to answer the question, what do you do when the bull market finally ends? And on that note, that does it for this Rewind Week. Tune back in Monday for a brand new eight weeks of shows with Joe and OG. They'll kick things off on Monday with the woman who interviewed Dominatrixes to learn financial lessons, Lindsay Goldberg. Dominatrixes. Now you've heard everything on the show. Thanks for enjoying another great week of Rewind shows with me. And remember, this episode originally released in 2017, so disregard any investment advice or giveaways. Fintern out. Hey, Basement Dwellers, something really quick before we press play on today's episode. I just found out from Tim at FreshBooks 
that they are going to join us for a special, about a half hour long walkthrough of how FreshBooks works. And, you know, a lot of times people don't want the the free trial. They think that uh, maybe that's not worth the time. But if you want to take a quick gander, as mom says, at exactly how FreshBooks works and find out for yourself why we use it here at Stacky Benjamins, uh, that's going to be next Wednesday, 1130 Central Time, 1230 Eastern. Uh, do the math on your time zone if you're not one of the two of those. You know what's funny is I often get time zones so messed up. I, I have to tell you, I've been early and late for interviews uh, with people on either coast because uh, my moronic brain doesn't do the math right. But nothing moronic about this. Tim from FreshBooks joining us in the basement on Wednesday, and you can join us too. Here's the link, stackybedjamins.com forward slash FreshBooks tour stackybedjamins.com forward slash fresh books tour. And of course, if you just want the free 30 day trial, skip the tour. That's uh, stackybedjamins.com forward slash fresh books. All right. On with the show, as they say. He says he's not dead. Yes, he is. I'm not. He isn't? Well, he will be soon. He's very ill. I'm getting better. No, you're not. You'll be stone dead in a moment. Oh, I can't take him like that. It's against regulations. Hey, money nerds. Welcome back to the Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey, college basketball fans, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I've got three-to-one odds you are going to love today's show. First, with us today, the odds-on favorite to win today's podcast from Afford Anything, we welcome Paula Pant. And from LenPenzo.com, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> I'm just kidding, it's Len Penzo. I'm always getting those two mixed up. And the author of Control Your Cash, that's Greg McFarlane. Man, that guy really ruffles my skirt. And on today's FreshBook FinTech segment, looking to improve your credit defense, we'll drive the lane and score better credit with self-lenders James Garvey. And now, the guy who the committee wouldn't even let into one of those play-in games, it's Joe Saul Sihai. Due to playing gay, baby, we are headed right to the finals. Hey, everybody, I am Joe CI Average Joe Money on Twitter. And man, we are going to Tulsa. It's so funny, Cheryl and I, since we've been married, we've always said, wouldn't it be cool if the Spartans go to either the NCAA tournament or they go to a bowl game to actually just get crazy and follow them? Believe it or not, in the many years since we've been married, this is the first time we've done this. We saw they're coming to Tulsa. And you know what's funny is that Tulsa is just over four hours from my house. Back when I lived in Michigan, there's no way I would have gone four hours. would have said, oh, that's that's forever away. Once you move to Texas, four hours, it's no big deal, man. We're headed to Tulsa as you listen to this. But you know what's just as fun as heading to watch Michigan State kick Miami's butt? is headed to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. Because when you go to magnify money, what you find is that all the best products out there are within reach. In fact, a recent Reddit user showed that over 92% of the available products are at 
magnifymoney.com versus the number two site, that loser site that has just around 65% of all the products that are out there. The average person who heads to Magnify Money finds that they get $450 either in lower fees, better interest rates if it's for saving, lower interest rates if it's for debt products, stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. When you go there, you'll find that whether it's a checking account, savings account, personal loans, credit cards, auto loans, whatever you're looking for, Magnify Money's got you covered in a very simple way. And the place that Magnify Money calls number one wherever they compete is SoFi. That's spelled S-O-F-I. And you head to stackofbenjamins.com forward slash SoFi. You know what you're going to find? That they're the leader in marketplace lending, helping you with student loans, personal loans, and mortgages. Here's how it works. You just point your browser to stackofbenjamins.com forward slash S-O-F-I. It's going to ask you what type of help you're looking for. And from that point, you just fill in a few details about you. And like our friend Dan Macklin over at SoFi says, in a few seconds in most cases, you'll know everything about how they can work with you. You'll be able to pick from different terms, check out the interest rates on variable and fixed rate options, and get the ball rolling. In fact, it's so easy. Magnify Money lists their fine print rating as A+, meaning everything's super easy to understand. You're looking for lower rates and a good partner. They're looking for a new member to help. So for your mortgage, student loans, personal loans, head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash SOFI. They're going to throw in a hundred bucks if you use our link for the student loan refinance or your next personal loan. How great is that? Stackybenjamins.com forward slash SOFI. Great fresh books, FinTech segment today. James Garvey from SelfLender. You've got bad credit or better yet, you've got somebody in your family who's just trying to establish credit. Self-lender is uh, something you want to know about. Our FreshBook FinTech segment in the middle of today's episode. But first, we got some roundtable goodness for you. So let's get this party started. All right, let's walk across the basement here to my dad's shortwave and dust this baby off for another week. And guess what? Good news. I believe we have our main three crazy contributors on the line. Let's start in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. We'll go ladies first, where I believe Paula Pant from Afford Anything is in the closet. I am in the closet broadcasting out of the most soundproof room in the house. That is How you doing, Joe? Fantastic. You don't have any of the cats in there with you? Uh, I think there might be one in here right now. They <laughs> tend to wander in and out. There might be one. Oh, I'm doing great now that I'm talking to you. So you just got back from the casino, maybe played a little uh, roulette. Is that what you did today? Totally. It's where all my money comes from. Just games of blackjack on the table. Right. That's. As, that's uh, I don't know why I said on the table. As opposed, like, where else would it be? In the air? On a swimming pool surface? Right. In the right. jacuzzi? In the middle of the lake? Sure. Right. And they're with you across town, I think, also in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's Mr. Greg McFarland, the author of, the co-author of, the amazing book, Control Your Cash. Co-author, but I did most of the work. Uh, this particular roundtable roster is now entering its third year. Uh, you Lynn, Paula, and myself. Who's going to be the first one to, uh, It's not nothing lasts forever. Who's going to be the first one to leave? Do we got to have like one of those, uh, what was the thing that you were doing with that one actress? It's a death pool. Do we have to have a death pool? That I did with an actress? Yeah, didn't you do that with like uh, I want to say Shaka? This sounds Khan, like an interesting story. I want to say Shaka Khan, but it wasn't her. It was uh, it was who was the woman who finally died last year? Like ninety eight years Gabor, old. Zsa Zsa Gabor. Like Shaka Khan. Yeah, Zsa Zsa Gabor. Yeah, didn't you have a death pool for Zsa Zsa Gabor? 
she might have been in it. The problem is when you get up to her age, you're not worth that much. She died at like 97, I think. That's two two or three points. Yeah, right, right. Shasha Kapoor was so old, I believe her first husband, no joke, her first husband was born in the Ottoman Empire. Her second husband was born in the Russian Empire. Her third husband was born in the New Mexico Territory. Holy, in the Territory. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's uh, three or four years ago, wasn't it? Uh, Shaka Khan is still alive, by the way. And that is not the Queen of Funk's real name. No, no, Shaka Khan is not her real name. Yvette Stevens, who changed her name to Shaka Adune Adufe Yamoja Hodari Kafihi Khan. You should Queen have said, of Funk. Queen of Funk might be part of the name. <laughs> you should have said spoiler alert before that, Greg. Well, she's been around for a while. Speaking of old, let's go to the. <laughs> Led Penzo from LedPenzo.com is here. Hey, and I'm sure Greg will give uh, better than even odds that I'm going to be the first one to go since I'm the oldest one here anyway. So that puts me at the, uh, I guess I'm the first one to go. Best best odds, right? He just teed that up for me, didn't he? <laughs> oh, no, I, I, think, I think the chance of me saying something so perilously offensive that Joe has no choice but to keep the sponsors happy and send me the, and show me the door is more likely than, than you dying of, of old age. You know what, Greg, if I didn't know any better, I'd say you and Joe had colluded on that setup before we started the show today. It's going to be Paula. We all know it's going to be Paula. Paula's going to, Paula's going to all of a sudden go off one day. We're going to have to kick her off the show. She's going to show up drunk. It's going to be horrible, right? Going to. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, hey, we all, who, who has frosty beverage? I have a frosty beverage here today. So uh, anybody anybody else? Or am I all by myself? I have a glass. I just got water. I have a glass of wine. And uh, Greg's already on his third beer, so. <laughs> I'm actually going dry today. Not even water. Not, not, not even. Seeing if he can make it through it. Well, guys, everybody's wondering when we're going to get to the actual show. So why don't we do that? Our first piece comes to us from Market Watch. This is written by Anora Mamadova. Stock investors can't bank on another eight-year bull market bonanza. And it's it's funny, Greg. You know, when I thought about this, I guess I never really, really thought about the fact that there is no way, there's no way the next eight years are going to be like the last eight years. This run-up can't continue for 16, well, I suppose it can, but odds against it continuing the way that it has. Does that change your investment philosophy? Well, are you saying we won't have another eight years of bull market? We won't have another eight years of the underlying cheap money that led to the bull market? What do Not, you mean? I just mean bull market. I mean, a 16-year oh. bull market's unheard of. Yeah. If you start with the assumption that you cannot predict the stock market, life gets a lot easier. However, you can still acknowledge indicators. You can still say, hey, here's a good external or internal reason why I should buy or cash out. Like I was saying, interest rates. I can't say that they'll go up. But on the other hand, they have nowhere to go. They can't go down. Uh, there's something like an 80% likelihood they'll increase next quarter, however incrementally. I honestly don't know. But I can say with certainty that they'll at least stay the same. And therefore, it's reasonable to assume that the stock market will go in the same direction. But as for other external factors, I mean, when I hear non-financial people, amateurs, friends of mine who don't really pay attention to what I do, but know it has something to do with money. When they say the market is overheated, well, maybe that might be a buying signal. I mean, I don't, I don't run a wealth management firm, but I'm as shocked as the people who do as, as the fact that we are now in, like you said, the 16th year 
of a bull market. I figured the market would have cooled off by now. Yeah. But I also figured Alabama would be would have beaten Clemson and Clinton right. would have beaten Trump. But what do I know? Right. Who, who knew? Paula, you're somebody I thought about when I when I read this immediately. I mean, you have a very definitive way that you invest, but knowing that there's no way we're going to get 16 years of a bull market, does that change the game for you? It doesn't. I agree. The market happens in cycles and it's inevitable that at some point the market will drop, but we don't know when that's going to be. It might be tomorrow or it might be another three or four years from now. And so given that we just don't have that information and can't reliably predict it in any way, the only reasonable course of action is nothing other than just maintaining maintaining course. No, wouldn't it make sense if you think that it's going to, that the market's going to change to look at historically during recessionary times or looking at historically during market drops, like what types of investments have done well and to shift some of your money that way? Wouldn't that make sense? Well, I think if you have a balanced portfolio between equities and bonds and, you know, if you, if you have your asset allocation in place, then you've already done that. Uh, you've already balanced your entire portfolio as a whole based on your timeline, your risk tolerance, all of that. So that's nothing new. That's already part of the equation. Yeah. Before I go to Mr. Gloom and Doom, Craig, back to you for just a second. Paul is talking about asset allocation. Is that a big part of your strategy the next eight years is making sure your asset allocation's balanced so that when the market goes down, you can then use tweaks to maybe maybe make a few bucks? Uh, but I'm always looking on a one-year horizon to switch that out anyway. If, okay. if we had had this conversation five years ago, you'd be saying, guys, it's been an 11-year bull market. This is unprecedented. It's got to go down in the next five years. Right. And again, keep in mind that every professional, every journalist, every fund manager is speaking in the most general of terms as to what the market is going to do between now and 2025. If I knew, if anyone knew with utter, with utter certainty that the market would, let's say, let's say fall 20% this year, what would I do knowing that that was going to happen? I wouldn't merely cash out any index funds. I would continue to do what I've always done, which is look for undervalued stocks. Even on the stock market's worst percentage day, even on Black Monday in October 1987, dozens of stocks still gained that day and continue to gain throughout the year. And on a horrible day, I mean, that crashes all ships and companies with great fundamentals then become grossly underpriced. Exactly. But you got to get in quick because I believe however much it lost like 22% of its value that day right. and gained 60% of that back the next day. Right. That That's it's within, funny. Within the week. It's funny you say that my father-in-law lost his butt on that day, decided that was the day to get out. Didn't really realize how mutual funds worked and lost <sighs> just a, just lost a ton of money. It was, it was horrible. Uh, Len, Len, I know what you're thinking to yourself. <laughs> Damn tootin' it's going down. You know, I correctly called the bull market, I mean, the bear markets of 2010, 2012, right. 2014, right. and 2016, right? Right. And so now you're going to ask my advice. You and Henry Blodgett, right. Yeah. Hey, I'm getting more defensive. That's all I can tell you. I thought this thing was going to be gone. In 2012, I started bailing out, and I've missed a lot of money. My question here, though, Len, is a little bit different than what we talked about in the past, which is you talk about getting defensive. Have you ever thought about getting aggressive about the fact that, you know what, it can't go on for another eight years, so why don't I play to, instead of, you know, pulling back, why don't I play aggressively toward things which do very well in down market? Well, are you talking stocks? No, I'm talking any type of investment. Well, of, yeah, so of course you can do that. I mean, you like, and Greg already hit upon that. There are stocks you can hit. There are other 
investments you can hit as well that aren't stocks if you think things are going to go bad. Um, you know, it's I don't take advice from me because I'm not the right guy to take advice <laughs> from. I, I am hunkered down in the bunker and I am weighted strongly in precious metals right now. I believe because I, here's what I believe. Interest rates have Greg said interest rates have nowhere to go but up. Inflation is coming. That's my opinion. I think interest rates going uh, are going to go up. And precious metals do very well in environments where interest rates go up. They do actually they do very well when interest rates yeah. go up. Although what's interesting is the conventional wisdom out there, if you read the mainstream media, they tend to say that when interest rates are going up, that's bad for precious metals. And actually, historically, it's the other way around. So like I said, that, that's what I'm doing. If you, I don't understand that. If you really think the market's going to go down, why not uh, reweight your portfolio a bit to reflect that? You know, instead of just sitting and holding and, and taking the pain. Now, there's risk, obviously, and and I'll be the first to tell you. Like I said, from the last four years, I've I've missed out on a lot of gains. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I have, yeah. but I really expect. You know, there's something to be said for buying low and selling high. So, uh, and I'll be honest, uh, I've been buying my precious metals relatively low over the last three years. I mean, they're nobody likes. They're unloved. They're completely unloved. So, uh, you know, that's how it was. Just like stocks were in March of 2009, right? Everybody thought stocks were going to just nobody wanted them. And look, they've been on a tear since you're then. Gonna, so. You're going to own the world supply of gold there in Southern, <laughs> in Southern California. Hey, Paul, I got a question for you. And I don't know if you've written about financial advisors in all of the writing you do all over the inter internet. <laughs> the internet. Yeah. But when we think about the last eight years, and the fact that the market's been on a tear for a long time, and actually longer than that, you know, Greg talks about the bull market and about how long it's been. There's a bunch of financial advisors out there that have never been through a market downturn, right? You could have a financial advisor that's been around for 10 years and and they've barely seen anything uh, that looks remotely like a downturn. It seems to me like if the market does start to go sideways, more people are going to look for financial advice. How important do you think it is if you're looking for financial advice to have somebody that's actually seen a downturn before? Well, I think, I mean, anybody who's a grown-up has been through the Great Recession, even if they, you know, even if you're relatively young, even if you're 25 years old and you yourself weren't invested at that time, that was such a big social event that we all experience, we all experience the psychological ramifications of it. We all experience that era in our history. So I wouldn't be concerned about that per se, about a financial advisor. I would, I think the broader question is how good is the judgment and the wisdom of your advisor? Not necessarily can they check off certain experiences from their bucket list, but how good of a decision maker are they? How clear of a thinker are they? How thoughtful are they? Are they just regurgitating what they've been taught? Or um, do they exercise some kind of like innovative lateral thinking and some creativity? That's what I would really want to know. But Greg, the given that you've got two advisors that can both do what Paul is talking about, don't you want one that's already been through a downturn before? Yeah, I guess. Um, I don't know. Well, when we talk about a... a bull market that is now entering almost its second generation. It, it, you have to remember, if you, if you are going to start measuring that from the day the bull market began, well, naturally, it had to come on the heels of a bear market. You can almost argue that that previous bear market was completely artificial. It, it was a it was a one-time only thing. The internet and related businesses are only going to be invented once. If you remove that, that turn of the century, irrational exuberance, you can almost argue that this 
bull market is now in its second, maybe even third decade. Yeah, because you're right. Fundamentals on the old guard companies, railroads and your basic uh, consumer non-cyclicals, those all the way through the 2000 to 2002 look good. Yeah. And again, the stock market, as we understand it, has only existed since the 1870s. You could even make an argument that the 130, 140 years that it's been in existence doesn't tell you anything. Maybe the natural state of affairs it is a bear market, is for values to, to slowly erode. And you wouldn't notice that until we've been at this for a couple of millennia. Let's do a quick so what about this, because I think that some people are looking for that. Paula, next eight years are probably going to be different than the last eight years. You're saying hold the course? Every year is going to be different from every other year. So uh, if you haven't yet made the decision about how you want to proceed financially through life, then make that decision and don't bend with the wind. Take new information into account, but don't don't just let yourself blow around with the wind. Greg, and your sounds very similar. Yeah, and don't panic. If you see a sudden movement on a given day or even a given week or even a given month, don't don't be like Joe's father-in-law. Right. Write, write it out. And Len, your point is you should have panicked four years ago. <laughs> yeah. Let me give some advice for somebody who's actually had his 401k statements coming in at the dot-com crash in 2000 and the, the most recent one in 2008. Here, here's some advice for folks if, if things kind of take a turn for the worse here. Don't look at your 401k statements for a few quarters. If you're going to hold and not panic, just don't look at it. And I, I mean it just otherwise yeah. you're going to get all worked up for nothing. And, you know, you don't need that kind of uh, worry. Right. So, it's uh, like going on Zillow every day in 2008. Exactly. That's right. So don't now, you know, like I said, that's, I'm not saying, hey, don't rebalance your portfolio, maybe weight it more towards bonds or something. If you think bonds are going to outperform stocks or what have you. But but don't look at the bottom line of your four. Take a few quarters off because you're just going to get upset and, and it's unnecessary. I think that's a good place to leave that piece. Let's move on to our second piece of the evening which comes to us from fourpillarfreedom.com. Finding freedom through financial independence is the name of this blog. Zach writes this piece, Embracing Territorial Living. Paul, let's start with you. He talks about this great book, The War of Art, and about these two different ways people look at art. Do you mind explaining that? Sure. Uh, he talks about hierarchical versus territorial. And what he says is that if you are living hierarchically, you're living for others, you're concerned about social approval and the art that you create or the work that you do will always be led by your projections and fears and hopes of what other people will think of it. If, on the other hand, you are proceeding with your work in a way that he describes as territorial, then you are creating work that comes from deep within you, something that is the outward or physical manifestation of the thoughts and ideas and experiences that uh, have gelled inside of you. You did that so much better than I could have done that. Brilliant. But then he takes it and he puts that on living your lifestyle and managing your money, where you can manage your money against the Joneses versus you can just look inward and say, what do I need to do to reach my goals? Do you see this, Paula, as an artificial construct or is this a good way for people to look at their money? Am I being hierarchical versus territorial? I think it's a good framework. I don't think it's a panacea. I don't know if I'm using that word correctly. I, I don't know if, if this is a complete framework, but I do think it's a good piece of that puzzle when you're trying to figure out what your motivations are every time you spend. But Greg, it seems like to some degree, 
all of us are hierarchical, right? Even though we know in our heart that we should be territorial, to put it this way. We should be just looking inside. You're always going to look at the person next to you to some extent. Uh, first of all, like Paul has ever used a word incorrectly. Come on. Right. <laughs> uh, I'm not a huge fan of this analogy. To summarize, he's asking if I'm obsessed with what others think or if I'm reading the right self-help books. Uh, now, while no one's going to recommend caring about others' perceptions of you, the fact is plenty of people do it. It, it doesn't matter. The person who hates her job but likes the paycheck is a well-established cliche, but it's grounded in truth. Thank God that people like that exist because it makes it a lot easier for people like myself to say, screw this, sentencing myself to a cubicle life is not for me, and I can achieve financial independence and freedom without having to do something I despise. Now, if all you care about is money, that's fantastic. From a purely financial perspective, yeah, Thomas Kincaid, painter of light, was a better artist than Jasper Johns or whoever. Just look at how much he grossed. Drake is a greater artist than whoever plays cello for the Kronos Quartet. Do you care about money? A absolutely. Yeah. Why not? I mean, it's one thing to say, okay, the next door neighbors have this particular model of SUV. I need to get the more up-to-date model, the high specialization edition, and I'm, I'm going to finance that. If that's what the author is talking about, then yeah, that, that's crazy and insane. But if concerning yourself with financial wherewithal self-sufficiency is your first motivation, I think that transcends hierarchical versus territorial. Yeah, being Drake because it pays the bills better, it does not necessarily mean that you're comparing yourself to the Joneses. Exactly. Yeah, good stuff. Len, what do you think? Hierarchical, territorial, breaking that down. You're definitely a guy I don't think that looks a lot at what the neighbors are doing. No, but you know what? And I think this guy, he hits upon it in the article. When you're younger, you tend to be more hierarchical. And with experience, I think you learn to be more territorial. And that's exactly, honestly, I was that way too at first. I wanted to please everyone. I wanted to do all the right things. I wanted to, it was important for me to, to do things that I thought uh, were, were, everybody would approve of. But as I became older, I didn't worry about what other people thought. I stopped. I did things for myself. So in that setting, I, I agree with him. Now, how, how this sets over to money, I'm not so sure it is so smoothly as you guys mentioned. So yeah. I don't know. I thought it was a good article. It was very interesting and it was well done. It doesn't line up precisely, but uh, I, I get the gist of what he was saying. But you've got to have people. I, I know you've got people that work for you that when you're having maybe a one-on-one -on -one meeting with them, they're, it's clear that they're comparing themselves against Bob in the next cubicle, aren't you? Well, for people who are trying to improve themselves and compete, I mean, competition is what makes makes everything work, and especially in business, right? Uh, you, you want people to make sure that you're measuring up against your peers. Uh, you don't want to be seen as falling behind. That's not good for your sa final salary. It's also potential for when layoff time comes. You know, there, there's always people are always being ranked, right? So, so you do need to measure yourself against other people in that respect. But when it comes to personal items that you material things, that's a totally different story. I, I don't, you know, that's, that's not healthy measuring uh, what your possessions are against somebody else's. No, but I also wonder how healthy it is to compare your, you know, your work to other people all the time. Cause Paula, I'll tell you this. Um, <laughs> I look at the ranking of the Stacky Benjamin show in our subcategory in iTunes, maybe 37 times a day. Right. Uh, and, yeah. and, and, and I know that's not healthy that there's no that's not helping me create a better product. It's not helping me get ahead. And yet I'm constantly looking at how am I doing versus show X, show Y and show Z. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, that is a risk. Like it's it's the balance between getting like external validation, which is, I think, kind of a fundamental need that a lot of people have versus kowtowing to the masses, if that makes sense. Because at the end of the day, you're not going to create the best work, nor will you get the best external validation if what you're creating is just a consensus of what you perceive the average to want. Uh, That's not something that is inspiring. So if you take that stance and create something that is truly innovative, that thing will probably be polarizing and you'll get a lot more flack for it, but it'll probably also draw and compel a much larger crowd. But that being said, you know, I don't want to discount any type of feedback. Like feedback is important so long as it's, so long as you know where your boundaries are. Hey, you got to look at those rankings. It, you know, that to me is unhealthy. You know, there's something, it was in the news recently. Did you see the thing on Jimmy Fallon, the the, the ratings war between Jimmy Fallon and Stephen Colbert that uh, Colbert is now for like the last five or six weeks, he's totally overtaken right. Fallon in the ratings. Because and it's I just more read, political. I, yeah. Well, I just read an article now that Fallon is, he is panicking just because he, they said he watches the ratings religiously and he is going to start changing his format. He's made a conscious decision. That's you know, what, is that really the right? I mean, is that healthy? I, I, I don't know. But it, I mean, that's interesting to me. That's that's somewhere where if you start looking at ratings like that and you move away from what got you where you were, you yeah, know, it could be bad. No, I, I mean, you're right. My initial thought is that's totally the wrong move for him being a guy that watches a lot of late night TV. So, I mean, yeah, he's, I agree. he's great at what he does. Yeah, that's good stuff. Got to take a quick break for this awesome discussion with Len, Greg and Paula. For our FreshBooks FinTech segment, because you know, if you're racing against the clock to wrap up three projects, you're prepping for a meeting later in the afternoon, all while trying to tackle a mountain of paperwork, well, welcome to life as a freelancer. You know what's amazing is how much freelancing is growing. It seems like five to 10 years ago, working for yourself was considered taboo. I remember when we started this podcast, all my friends in town were like, why don't you have a job? You work from home? But what's what's that all about? Now today, like you work from home, that is so awesome. How do I do that? And the reason for that, one in three Americans now is self-employed. And by 2020, people say it might be 40% of the workforce self-employed. So guess what? You are a freelancer. FreshBooks is for you. And they are bringing you an all new version of their cloud accounting software. Listen to this. It's redesigned from the ground up, custom built for exactly the way you work. Get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, more organized, and most importantly, to get paid quickly. All new FreshBooks, not only ridiculously easy to use, it's also packed full of powerful features. One, create and send professional looking invoices in less than 30 seconds. Two, set up online payments with just a couple clicks and get paid up to four days faster. And three, see when your clients see your invoice and put an end to the guessing games. FreshBooks is giving Stack of Edgements listeners a 30-day unrestricted free trial. To claim it, head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash FreshBooks. That's stackybenjamins.com forward slash FreshBooks and enter Stacking Benjamins in the how did you hear about a section and bam, there's your 30-day free trial. And you also told them that we set you, which means FreshBooks stays our sponsor for a longer period of time. Good for you and good for us. You know what I like best about FreshBooks? We didn't even mention it there. The dashboard. You open up FreshBooks and there's a very, very easy to read dashboard. You know how you're driving down the road and you can easily tell how your car's doing? Know how fast you're going, know how your oil is. 
Same thing for your business. FreshBooks has this awesome dashboard that I that I really like whenever we fire up ours. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash FreshBooks. All right. Welcome to the FreshBooks FinTech segment here at the halfway point of the show. Have to say this disclaimer every time. We don't endorse any of the cool technologies that we highlight on the FreshBook FinTech segment, but there's so many neat things going on. We want to highlight as many of them as possible, which is why we even came up with this segment. And James Garvey is a guy in Austin whose company is doing very interesting work. And it's funny, my son's at uh, the University of Texas and we're dealing with establishing credit right now. So James' visit couldn't have been more timely. So let's uh, say hello to James Garvey from SelfLender coming down to the basement. And James Garvey, CEO of SelfLender, joins us. Have a seat, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, inviting me on the show. Absolutely. Anytime you can stop by Texarkana on your tour of telling everybody about SelfLender, I'm happy that, that we're a part of it. So people who come on the show start their dream either because of a problem that they saw in the marketplace or they saw an opportunity. How was it for you guys when you created SelfLender? Yeah, so I'm a software engineer by trade, and I really stumbled into this space. Uh, I found this paper that basically said one in four adults did not have a credit score. And depending on who you ask, it's you know between one and four, one and five, even even as low as one in ten. But it's a huge population, and I, I had such a hard time understanding that because you know when I was in college, it was super easy to get a credit card, and if you can get access to credit you can get a credit score. That's how you, how you build one. And so I, you know, started understanding, start really going deep into the space and, and saw that there was, you know, the 2009 card act, which really reformed how, you know, young people get credit cards. So, you know, ostensibly now you have to be 21 credit card companies can't give out pizza and Frisbees and t-shirts anymore, right. you know, and, and lots changed. And so there's, there's a lot of young people out there that are trying to establish credit, but they can't because, you know, they, they don't have any way to, to get it in a really inexpensive way. But like you said, it's not always, it's not always people starting out. There's probably people that you work with that need to rebuild their credit score. Absolutely. And it's even harder for them because, their only real options are secured credit cards. You know, you you go to a, a big bank, you apply for a credit card, you get rejected. And what they say is, you know, give us $500, we'll hold it for you indefinitely. And we'll give you like a regular credit card that has like a limit of like about $500. You know, from the consumer perspective, it's it sucks. You know, you right. have to have a lot of this money. You have to have $500 for an indefinite amount of time. And so what I saw was, there's some credit unions doing some cool stuff, but it's a very similar idea. You walk into a credit union, you deposit $500. The credit union will then make you a 12-month loan that's backed by that cash deposit. And so in both cases, you know, you need to have the money up front. And so that was why the self-lender came idea. It was like, what if we could partner with a bank such that we can make these tiny loans, but the money goes into uh, a 12-month CD? basically lending you money that you can't spend, and it forces you to save. You know, at the same time, you know, you're making a monthly payment to pay off the loan while the CD is maturing. Yeah, it's like a savings plan that builds credit. Gotcha. So let's just jump into it. So I go to selflender.com and uh, tell me what I do. What happens? Yeah, so you give some personal information. Um, you then uh, authenticate your identity by answering a couple of out-of-wallet questions like, 
you know, did you have a, a car in this year, blah, blah, blah. There's like three questions that you normally see. And then from there, you add a bank account or debit card. And the next step is you apply for a credit builder account. We partnered with a bank based in Austin. And what's happening is uh, the bank will then lend you, you know, roughly $550. It's a 12-month installment loan, but the money goes into a 12-month CD. It's FDIC insured. It's in your name and even earns a little bit of interest. You know, because we're lending money to people that don't have a credit score or have a low credit score, you know, we can't use your credit score as a way to underwrite you. Right. So we use uh, just check systems, you know, just making sure that, you know, you are who you say you are and, uh, you know, you're not um, having committed fraud or anything. But outside of that, underwriting is pretty simple. But uh, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. A wide number of people, I would imagine, get approved. Absolutely. It's huge. Yeah. And, and when you say a 12-month CD, um, if you're putting money in it, you know, generally a 12-month CD, as you know, James, you can't put money into every month and yep. have it be a 12-month CD. But if I'm on, so if I'm on month 11, that money's only tied up for a month or is every payment I put in, is that tied up for 12 months? Yeah. So, so the, the way to think about this is on day one, we're giving you a $550 loan. Yep. But the proceeds of that loan are the full 550 are placed into the CD. And so on day one, you know, your CD is worth 550. And in a year, it's worth 550 and 55 cents. Right. right. Um, <laughs> and so what you're doing is, is this, this monthly payment of uh, $48 and 50 cents, that's actually repaying the loan, the principal interest. And at the same time, simultaneously, the CD is actually earning a little bit of interest. Gotcha. So you're building you're building savings habits by yep. putting that money uh, toward the loan every month. Yep. You, you already have the five hundred and fifty dollars sitting there, which secures your credit. I, I'm yep. assuming. Then you have the card that's attached to that account. And then what happens is at the end of the term, the CD matures, and the customer can do whatever they want. So they can gotcha. either just get it ACH back, they can get a check. Um, but as of today, like we don't have a debit card next to it. That's uh, that's part of our 2018 plan. Gotcha. Okay. But when it comes to building credit, then you're saying it's that $550 loan that you're getting from a bank that's hitting your credit score. And the fact that you're making your payments over 12 months, that's what's building the credit. Yeah. So it's, it shows up on your credit report as a secured installment loan. Got it. And so, yeah, so that's basically your monthly payment is, is repaying the loan and that gets reported to the three credit bureaus. What type of credit increases have you seen people have? Because you have to have some awesome stories, I would think, about people that were able to build their credit a decent amount in that 12-month period. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. You know, we've got, um, you know, over 13,000 active customers now. And what's what's great is, you know, just in a short period of time, you know, we've seen people that start at zero. So if you don't have a credit score, you're new to credit, uh, you know, after six months, typically in around the 650 range, but if you're rebuilding, you know, it can be tough, right? If, if you start at a really, really deep subprime score, like, you know, 490, it's going to take a while. But but if you're, you know, above 600, um, you know, we've seen about 40 points on average. Wow. But still, that's something. And you're obviously, I think half of that is, as I mentioned earlier, building that habit at the same totally. time. Totally. Yeah. Uh, you've got a slider here on your website. And I'm curious about this because it says, zero to 550 and talks about the credit builder account that you talked about, but it also talks about the possibility of a secured credit card, which for some yep. people is a way to help them build their credit. Tell me about that. You know, the, the secured credit cards, you know, typically are, are not great products for, for consumers be, just because you have to have this 550 or $500 or $300 or 
whatever it is, you know, you have to have this money up front and they have to hold these credit card companies have to hold it for some indefinite amount of time. That is one tool that people have used for years. And, and we estimate somewhere between six to eight million adults have secured cards today. It doesn't work nearly as well as this as your credit builder account. Well, they should both be about the same okay. in terms of function. But, uh, you know, one one what's nice about self-lender is there there's a start date. There's a stop date. There's there's 12 equal payments and you have structure and simplicity versus with the credit card. You just never know, you know, what you're going to you know end up spending for the month. It's amazing because I'm thinking about my kids are 21 right now and this is totally what we're working with them on, James. <laughs> I mean, you must have a lot of people like me with kids that are just finishing college. One Absolutely. of them is there in Austin at the University of Texas and it's got to awesome. be got to be something that a lot of people do. How do you guys make money from this? Yeah, so we earn a little bit on every single account. And so what's great is, is self-lender, we don't have to actually lend the money because our bank partner lends the money, but we get paid per account. And then the other thing that we do, and this is what's really exciting is, you know, after six to 12 months, the customer's credit score is up and uh, we say like, listen, you know, here is your first credit card. You know, here is uh, an auto loan and making a very curated experience where you know, it feels like just very personal. And, and that's what we're, we're working on. And we've got some exciting partnerships that we'll be announcing in June. Awesome. So it's an extension of this uh, trust that you built with your customer ahead of time. Absolutely. Got, Absolutely. Got you. And is there a fee for the credit builder account? So the fee is uh, $12. Um, that That's the fee that happens um, to get started. Okay. Um, but it, it's zero cost to apply. So, you know, and then from there, uh, depending on which credit builder account you choose, which savings plan that builds credit you choose, you can choose between $48.50 a month to $194 a month. And it's uh, selflender.com that I go to to get there. What's coming up with you guys in the future? Because you mentioned that you may have a debit card attached or things like that. It sounds like you've got uh, more plans for more rollouts. Absolutely. Yeah, we're, we're really excited. to. Uh, we will have our own credit card and we'll have our own debit card coming. And so that's something that we're working hard on. But, uh, you know, what, what's great for us is we've grown from a thousand customers to 13,000 in the last six months. Uh, so we're really scaling up and, and, um, by the end of this year, we should have, uh, between 50 to 75,000 active accounts. So, we're really, really excited about, about what, what's going to happen this year. That's an exciting time. And if you're walking the dog or you're on your way to or from work, uh, we've got you covered. Just head to our show notes at stackybedjamins.com or if you can just remember selflender.com. We got you there too. Last important question, man, for you is being a part of that Austin fintech community. What's that like? Do you find yourself partnering with other companies or just uh, because it, I've, I've interviewed so many people there and it just seems like a great place to be right now, James? You know, it, it is. It's an amazing ecosystem here. Uh, the people are, are so nice and, and I'm a transplant. Like I grew up in California, lived in San Francisco. You know, we moved out here to be uh, next to our bank partner and we've just found the community here is so strong and, uh, you know, we absolutely love it. And it's a great school here. UT is an amazing school. It is. Well, I've got one of mine there. So, <laughs> so I, uh, my wallet hurts because of UT, but good, <laughs> good stuff. Well, and you've got awesome food there. Phenomenal. Totally. Franklin barbecue. Unbelievable. Totally. Hey, thanks absolutely. for hanging out, man. Hey, thanks. Too. Have a good one. Big thanks again to James Garvey for coming down to the basement. All right. Let's get back to our awesome discussion with Paula Fant from Afford Anything, Greg McFarlane, the author of Control Your Cash, and Len Penzo from LenPenzo.com. 
Let's move on to our third piece, which actually, you know, it's funny. I don't really even care about this piece. I just care about the headline, which comes to us from the Huffington Post. And it's, it's called, We Create Our Own Fake News. And I actually, I really, I want to dump everything except for that headline for everybody listening. We create our own fake news. And I thought, you know, this topic of fake news really makes me want to barf. And I'm so tired of that. But then I think a lot of us have these things that financially we have thought for a long time. And all of a sudden we realize that this might be fake news. Like this might not be the fantastic thing I read about online constantly. Maybe we need to put the heat lamp on it a little bit. So Greg, fake news you think about out there in finance land, is there some thing that for a while you thought might have been true, but really the more you examine it, the more you think, yeah, it probably isn't right. You mean stuff like you need an emergency fund? Uh, emergency funds are phenomenal. <laughs> uh, go, go in the archives, listeners, if you want to hear what I feel about emergency funds. Pretty much any show will work. But aside from that, uh, here's one. Shop for the credit card with the lowest interest rate. The reason you shouldn't do that is that all cards carry the same interest rate. Zero. Zero. All you have to do is pay off your balance in full each month. Couldn't be easier. So you need to look at other more important features that differentiate cards, like rewards. If you have to choose between, let's say, a card that charges 24% interest but offers 1% cash back and a card that charges only 19% interest but offers no cash back, take the first card. Find a branded card that offers rewards beyond mere cash if you can. You can even pay for a card if it justifies itself. If you have an American Express Platinum card with a $195 annual fee, that sounds like a giant ripoff to the kind of person who obsesses over interest rates. But in reality, that card will get you rental car insurance with no additional charges. It will get you hassle-free fraud protection. It will get you free TSA pre-check and free airport lounge breakfast. And if you travel enough and eat enough, that alone can be worth 195 bucks a year. Hey, that's a fantastic one. I love that one because I remember being obsessed with interest rates until one day I thought, I don't carry a balance. What the hell am I talking about? Len, you got a, some fake news? You know, my, mine, and, and I've railed about this before, it's uh, going to things like LifeLock to protect yourself. You need to pay some company to protect you from identity theft, when in reality, you really don't. It, any, everything that LifeLock does, you can do yourself. You can monitor your own financial statements for any suspicious activity. If your credit cards are lost or stolen, you don't need to go to LifeLock to do that. You can make your reports yourself, call your credit card companies. If your social security number gets out there, you can easily blunt that by freezing your credit, which is what I do. I've had that, I've been doing that for, uh, oh gosh, probably five or six years now. And uh, it totally, you're totally safe. You don't, you can sleep well. You don't need to pay uh, some company $11 a month to monitor something that you can do yourself. So to me, you don't need to pay somebody. Do it yourself. LifeLock uh, sells the sizzle and the scare a lot, I noticed in their commercials. Yeah, they do. And actually, I believe a couple of years ago, I think they settled out of court and I don't want to get in trouble, but I don't think they were admitting any fault or anything, but they did settle for uh, saying that they did more than they really did, as I understand it. That's my understanding of it. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm just not a big fan of stuff like that. I think you can do it yourself and it's no big issue. By the way, LifeLock, if you'd like to sponsor the show, uh, my email is <laughs> joe at stackofvegetables.com. <laughs> yeah, forget I am, that. <laughs> I, am, I am very happy to change my mind, and for enough money, I'll change Len Penzo's mind, too. So, 
There we go. Paula, what's some uh, fake news that uh, you're tired of? Hmm. A, like a financial truism that I no longer believe type Abs- of a thing? Absolutely. Well, the obsession with clipping coupons, that's something I've taken a, a lot of very public aim at over the last several years. And really the truth is, I mean, I, yeah, I think a lot of writers and podcasters, we talk about the things that we're working through and because I grew up with a very strong script around that, that you must always be scrimping and saving and, and couponing. I believed that for many, many years and I lived that for many years. And so unlearning that has been a big part of my growth in the last half decade. That's a time versus money thing, right? Like the money that you're going to save by clipping the coupon, is it worth the time that you spent clipping the coupon? More so than time, I would say it's a mental bandwidth thing. It's a like, where is your mind going to focus type of a thing. Okay. So meaning that if my mind focuses someplace else, the dollars I make could be way more than the 26 cents off the next Doritos bag. Exactly. Exactly. Like if you're always thinking about 26 cents off the Doritos, your mind is kind of locked into thinking about scarcity and looking for ways to pick up pennies rather than focusing on how to grow, how to invest, how to earn and, and just how to have an abundance faith and an abundance mindset. Mine is the 15-year versus the 30-year mortgage and the fact that people think that a shorter mortgage equals a better mortgage. And what's funny is is that, you know, sometimes the interest rate difference makes it compelling to take the shorter-term mortgage. But in a lot of markets, they're close enough that I think, why why don't we think about ourselves as a business where I take the longest term possible, but I go ahead and pay it off at whatever – like, and and I guess maybe even bigger fake news is this. The term that the institution gives me is what I pay on that loan is mm-hmm. completely untrue. So if I want to pay my loan off early, why did, like I had somebody tell me that, you know, they went and got a 10-year mortgage because they wanted to pay their loan off early. Getting a 10-year mortgage and paying your loan off in 10 years are two totally separate things. You could take a 30-year mortgage and still pay your loan off in 10 years. And if bad things happen, which they can happen, you know, with a 30-year mortgage, you're not locked into that 10-year payment, even though you can set it up so that, automatically you make the 10-year payment until, you know, you get disabled or something bad happens. I just, you know what I mean? I don't think that companies don't look at their money that way. They take the best terms that the bank will give them and then they design their own repayment plan. That's that's the big fallacy that drives me crazy. Anybody hey, got it? Hey, anybody hey got Joe, it? if you have, yeah. I'll add one more since you brought up the mortgages. Here's one that I that I totally reversed on was paying off your mortgage, right. period. Boy, so we had I, a, for years, I was a big proponent of paying off your mortgage. And I spent for 10 or 12 years, I worked really hard to pay down my mortgage. And then I had a change of, of heart. And because I know a lot of people say, well, you know, I want to I want to feel good knowing that I own my home. Well, that's kind of true. You you don't owe the bank anymore. But guess what? If you don't pay property taxes, you'll find out that you're really you're just renting from the government. So you never really truly own your home. That's one philosophy. We spent a lot of time, man, there was a huge discussion in our Facebook group, the green room and to, to go there at stackofbenjamins.com forward slash green room and click the link. But Len, we had a huge discussion. Somebody brought up that that was your philosophy. And I think that had, uh, man, that, that discussion went for a long, long time. You'd be very proud. <laughs> cool. <laughs> lots, lots of people talking about you. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, let's talk about what's going on in your neck of the woods. Greg McFarland, tell me. There's something on your website now. I'm going to pass it over to Paula. (laughs) All right. That is fantastic. Maybe next week. Paula, what's going on over there at the crazy afford anything? Uh, I've received.
received a lot of questions from listeners. So on the Afford Anything podcast, I will be doing another Ask Paula round where I'll be answering listener submitted questions. Those are always such fun episodes. And yeah, uh, those are my favorite episodes to record, really. They're my favorite, too. And I don't do enough of them. I need to do more because we're consistently behind on letters here. Len Penzo, what's happening at that crazily titled LenPenzo.com? Well, you know what? Mikey Rocks, I know one of your favorite writers that I that I There is have, no uh, way that's his name. There's no <laughs> way. You know that's his poor My, name. Mikey's got a got an article of eight smart alternatives to wasting your money on a lavish wedding. He comes up with some ideas that uh, makes better sense to spend your money on than uh, blowing it all on one uh, big lavish uh, reception. All right, this is so come by. The uh, the persistent itch.com. <laughs> right. Yeah. And this is Joe Rock signing off. <laughs> That's great. Thanks for playing, guys. Thank you. Oh, yeah. That's going to do it for this episode, everybody. But guess what? We got it the second week of the game we've been playing. What game? Well, hold on to your seats. We've got that in a moment. Plus, we're going to talk about exactly what's going on next week here from the basement because we're cranking out some more goodness for you. But first, got to say a big thanks to everybody who went to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash SoFi. SoFi is a place Magnify Money calls number one when it comes to student loan refinancing and personal loans. You head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash SOFI and they'll throw in a hundred bucks if you refinance your student loans or take out a personal loan using our link stackybenjamins.com forward slash SoFi. You'll find they have many options to serve you like flexible loan terms, extremely competitive interest rates. Better yet, they work with members, not just customers. People who do business with SoFi find they're a different kind of company. They'll help you find a job. They'll invite you to networking events and roll out a range of services you're not going to find at banks. So whether you're hoping to buy a house refinance your existing one, consolidate your student loans or get your personal debt under control, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash SOFI. And by the way, you want proof of that? Head to our other sponsor, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money because Magnify Money is the number one place to go to shop all of those financial products you use every day. You know, we comparison shop everything. We joke about people driving across town to save three cents on gasoline or people comparison shop groceries, whatever it might be. We always look for a better deal, don't we? But then we go use a debit card that has a bunch of moronic fees or a checking account that doesn't pay you any interest or that charges you fees, or we've got debt that's at a much higher interest rate than that that we should have been approved for. And you know what? Getting your act together has never been easier because now guess how many stops you need to make. You don't need to go to five different banks to take a look. You don't even need to go to five different websites. Just head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. And in one stop, you're comparing 92% of all the things that are out there. The average person saves $450 when they head to magnifymoney.com. And Brian, Nick, and the team over there done a heck of a job. But if you're not reading the Magnify Money blog, you are definitely missing out because Mandy Woodruff over there just doing an amazing job of digging up dirt. That's what they like to do. That's why... For those of you new to the show, the reason why Magnify Money is a sponsor of ours in the first place, Nick came on as a guest. It was just amazing with all the dirt that he can talk about about the credit card industry and go back and listen to any of our interviews with uh, Nick Clements. And you'll see that guy knows just a ton about what dirt is out there. So there's nobody I trust more when it comes to the right way to evaluate credit. Funny thing, my son was asking me about uh, credit cards and I just wrote a quick email to Nick 
and said, hey, Nick, my son's trying to establish credit. How do we set that up? And he not only told us the best way to set that up, but we also hooked it up to debitize so that his credit stays great. And uh, go back through the past shows and look up our interview with Debitize to find out more about them too. Talk about a good FreshBooks FinTech segment. There's one right there. Wasn't James Garvey good today also at SelfLender? Such a such a neat concept. We'll have links to all that in our show notes at stackybenjamins.com. All right, guys, what's coming up next week? Man, do we have a great week for you. We often get questions about banks and which banks should we use. And OG and I, if you've listened to us for any length of time, we talk a little bit about credit unions, but not enough. And so, you know what? We've got two of the biggest credit unions in the nation coming on. And we also have the biggest credit union servicing company on the West Coast. That's Co-op Financial. And if you live on the West Coast, you're familiar with Co-op. And we've got people coming on from Navy Federal and from Alliant Credit Union. And I'm so excited. Two of the biggest credit unions in the country and one of the biggest credit union servicing companies in the country. Three great companies And we're going to talk about credit unions and how credit unions are different and what they can do that a bank can't do. And there's a lot, by the way, credit unions can do that banks can't do. So that kicks us off on Monday. And then on Wednesday, if you're a fan of work, you probably know the website, themuse.com and the founders of themuse.com coming down to the basement. Alexandra and Catherine have written a book, The New Rules of Work, The Modern Playbook for Navigating Your Career. Want to make more money? You want to be here on Wednesday. And then on Friday, during the FreshBooks FinTech segment, we're talking to the founder of Parkmobile. We're going to get crazy. You know, sometimes we talk about big FinTech and big ideas. Sometimes it's these little ideas I like. You're in a city wondering where to park your car. How about using an app? And the founder of Parkmobile is going to save you some money and some headaches when it comes to parking your car. We're, we're getting a little granular on Friday, and I love it. And from the Mo Money podcast, our good friend Jessica Morehouse is joining our roundtable next Friday. So she's our special guest, and uh, man, I'm excited about next week. Have a fantastic weekend. Go Stacks and Benjamins. We'll see you later. Special thanks to James Garvey from Self Lender for stopping by. For more on improving your credit score, head to selflender.com or head to stackingbenjamins.com where we'll have a link waiting for you. Paula Pant appears courtesy of affordanything.com. Greg McFarlane appears courtesy of Control Your Cash. And special thanks to Len Penzo from lenpenzo.com. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC. The show is created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Make sure you mark your calendar because you and old Doug have a date right back here to listen to Joe and OG welcome the heads of three of the biggest credit unions as we find out the skinny on how credit unions really work. What was that? 
It's called the medium sketch. The medium sketch? Yeah, it wasn't rare and it certainly wasn't well done. <laughs>
Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. 